Next Chapter Podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, my name is Miriam Laube, and I am the senior producer of the Play On Podcasts. One of the benefits of this job has been the opportunity to work with some artists I have admired from afar. Eric Ting is one such artist. And personally, I will add, it was a gift to witness his work on Marcus Gardley's translation of one of Shakespeare's greatest tragedies. What did you learn working on, uh, I should say, Lear, with um, this group of artists, this group of uh, actors that we hired? What did you learn about uh, Marcus's play and about Lear itself? I mean, I learned it was really funny. <laughs> I mean, it's, very, it's a very funny play. And I think, I mean, I, I you know, I, I should hope that's like, I hope that's Marcus's intention too. Because I think like, I mean, there's always so much humor in Marcus's work yeah. and unexpected, you know, sometimes. And um and I, you know what I do think about, like, it's funny, right? I was, I was re- reflecting on this the other day um, when someone was asking me about like, well, what is it like working on a kind of a Shakespeare in translation? And I was like, well, you know, what you get with a Shakespeare is you get a kind of like, like, you know, one of the reasons that I love Shakespeare is because uh, in many ways, Shakespeare operates as a second language to me. Yes. Right. Uh-huh. So I hear Shakespeare in the way that I hear Chinese sometimes, right? Which is like, oh. I understand it, but it is different enough that it actually kind of influences and impacts and changes the chemistry of my brain as I am listening to it, right? Chinese does that to me. Shakespeare does that to me. And I think most people who like are accustomed to speaking English, like, you know, the kind of the English of our daily lives, and they come and arrive at a Shakespeare and they're like, I have so much trouble understanding it. Or they're like, it takes me like five, it takes me like, you know, however many 15, 20 minutes to actually like land in the zone where the Shakespeare that is being spoken, I can actually begin to absorb and understand. It operates just like a second language, right? Uh-huh. I feel the same way when I like go to China and I'm like, oh, it takes me a little while to like actually be able to hear myself. it. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden there's a certain moment when it like flips and you're like, I just hear it. And and that's one of the reasons I love Shakespeare is because like Shakespeare operates like that, right? And so um so so the thing about Shakespeare that I find is like Shakespeare, because because it's like it's like sh- the Shakespeare, the original Shakespeare is like archaic in its language, right? And um, and often right, really obscure. Like it's like right. I mean, yeah. like it's like I you know I I I I I'm not I'm not ashamed to say that I turn to the notes so much often. when I'm reading yes. Shakespeare, yes, um, because it's just the things that I have absolutely no context for. Um, but what starts to happen when I see productions of Shakespeare is because of the language, because of the size of it often, right? And it's often performed with quite, quite, quite large scale. 
mm-hmm. um, both in the sort of the vision of the production, but also in the kind of quality of the performance. Um, it often leans into the more kind of the more uh, archetype. The, it leans into the archetypes of these plays, mm-hmm. right? It leans into the big themes. It leans into mm-hmm. the big giant kind of like life and death. Um, you know, like what is this play about? Is it like about hubris? Is it about you know? Is it about ageism? Is it about you know transition? About like all these big giant themes, and and you have to because in a way the language doesn't allow you to linger in subtleties because it's kind of like in performance, right? Like on a page when you're sitting down and you're reading it, you can discover all of that because you're like, you, you have the time to sit and, and ruminate on three lines of text. But when you're watching a play, you don't, it moves at the pace of, of, of life. Mm-hmm. It moves at the faster pace of life, right? It's compression of time. So it's like moves even faster than life. And, and like, and so, you know, as an audience member, I think you're often just able to keep up with the big ideas. And um, as a director, you kind of have to center those big ideas because you know that the audience has to keep up with you. Right, right. right. So working on this text with this company of actors and this writer, what I found myself really just basking in were those subtle nuances that you often lose as an audience member to a play, to a production of King Lear, right? Is what you get in this is you get an understanding of kind of like, you have an understanding of like um, these, these, three, these three women who are children of a powerful man. And you start to understand like the kind of influences of, um, you, you start to like, you start to dwell upon the sort of the influences of their upbringing. And the impact, right, of, of like, what does it mean to grow up in, um, if not an abusive family, certainly a kind of dysfunctional one. Yes. <laughs> right? We can agree. Yes. Yeah. And then you start yeah. to, and then you start to like go, oh, that's like so amazing. And you can start to find, because you're not, you're not, you're not also wrestling with the text. You're, you're, you're speaking now the same language as the play, as opposed to the play coming to you as a second language. This is Michael Goodfriend, executive producer of the Play On podcast series. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with the creatives behind the scenes. To listen to the full interview, join the Play On supporting cast. For just $5 a month, which by the time you hear this might be less than you'll pay for a gallon of gas, you'll get in-depth interviews featuring some of the most brilliant artists working today. You'll also enjoy ad-free episodes of the Play On podcast series. Subscribe today for $5 a month. Join the cast. Go to ncpodcast.com and sign up today. Thanks for listening. Next Chapter Podcasts.